0: taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, they do not practice. They tie heavy burdens hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift the favor to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their flatteries, and lengthen their tassels, in other places of honor and meetings, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one Father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: I think the proudest I've ever been of my dad was the moment where I saw him both the most angry and the most scared in my life. It wasn't that long ago. My niece is a senior at Dowling now, and she must have been about five or maybe six when this happened. But we were at an anniversary party for an aunt and uncle of mine, um, and we were in a venue that none of us had ever been in before, and it was kind of confusing. And so when we went to leave, we went out a different door than we'd come in on which would not have been such a big deal if the door that we went out of didn't open immediately into the street. So poor Ellie, toddling along at four or five, goes stumbling out the door, off the curb, and straight into traffic. Now my dad happened to be the closest to her, just in the way that we were walking, and he immediately leapt to. And when I say leapt to, I mean he literally leaped forward and sort of used the momentum from him coming up to grab Ellie by the scruff of her neck and sort of tossed her backwards. But the call was so close, he literally glanced the back of the car as he spun. Now, when he grabbed her, he grabbed her hard, hard enough it hurt, and you could see it in her face. She was shocked, and she was pained, and she was scared because Grandpa never hurt her like that, right? And so when when Dad got turned around, and we all kind of took a breath and settled ourselves, it was one of those moments where you're like, is everybody OK? Anybody called DHS yet? <laughs> and he immediately dropped to one knee, so he was eye level with her. She was, of course, afraid, and so she kind of hid behind her mom's skirts, and he said, "Sweetheart, honey, I want you to come out. Grandpa needs to talk to you." And it took a little coaxing, but she came out, and he said and she was kind of holding her arm, because he did wrench her shoulder pretty good, I'm sure. He said, "I'm very sorry." That I hurt your arm, but I was just so scared. Don't you ever do anything like that ever again. Who's raised a kid and can relate to that? All of us, even those that don't have kids of our own, right? Anybody who's had charge over little ones knows what it's like to be in that kind of a position. When he said that to her, something shifted in her head. You could see her eyes because she did look legitimately scared before. But from that point on, she went from being mad at him to being grateful because she knew there was somebody who loved her so much he wasn't afraid even to hurt her a little bit in order to keep her safe. To this day, like I said, she's a senior in high school. If there's a real fix, if she feels unsafe, it's not me or her mom she goes to. It's grandpa. Our parents, or whoever raises us, but usually our parents, are the first experience any of us have of authority. The authority of the parent is natural, that is, it comes from nature. The parent is responsible by nature for the care and raising of that child, and is therefore afforded the rights necessary in order to see to it that the child is appropriately raised. When a parent fails in a serious way in that duty of care towards the child, then we initially just uh, uh, judge them a bad parent, right? But if the failure becomes serious enough or dangerous enough, the state will actually enter into the conversation and mitigate or impede or even remove the parents' rights because they failed in the duty of responsibility that the rights were for to begin with. This is really, really important. Because the same is true for every other kind of authority, whether it's in the family, in the church, or in society. Those placed in positions of authority have a responsibility for those in their care. And they are given the rights, which are at least in theory sufficient to ensure their ability to make sure that they're cared for. Okay? So we've got rights and responsibilities. You can't have rights without a corresponding responsibility, and you can't be held responsible for something if you're not afforded the rights necessary to accomplish it. Last week, we talked about solidarity, the persevering determination to commit oneself to the common good and to be an in intentional relationship with those persons or groups of people that we don't have natural relationships with, right? So when I choose to be good neighbor to the guy down the street, even though I don't really know him very well, I'm living in solidarity with a person who's not actually a member of my family. The more I treat him like a member of my family, the closer I've grown in solidarity. Solidarity is at the heart of the church's teaching on most social things, poverty, immigration, relationships between nations, war. It's what informs in a big way our teaching when it comes to elections, and we have those coming up, so it's worth mentioning, and the ethical selection of a particular candidate over and against another. And it's precisely this kind of disposition, this persevering disposition to commit oneself to the common good, that is most lacking when it comes to most of our most dysfunctional relationships, whether those relationships are at home or at work or at church. You don't believe me, think about the person you're not getting along with at work and whether or not you think about them as related to you, close as family. Solidarity has a kind of a sister principle, a sister virtue. Just as important and probably more often misunderstood. But it's at the heart of what Jesus is doing in today's gospel. Subsidiarity is the principle that authority is based on relationship. And so the competent authority closest to a particular situation is typically the one best suited to handle it. Now, that does presume there's somebody around to be able to decide who's competent and who's not. That's a longer conversation, not fit for a sermon. This often gets kind of shorthanded as, so the church don't like big government. That's not quite right, though I understand why in our context it feels that way. But I think it's important to see why that's not quite what we're saying. Because, because otherwise, then it's not clear why the parents are in fact the ones responsible for children. Parents are the first and best authorities for their kids, even though parents, all parents, every parent, including everyone who's in here and everyone any of us ever had, make mistakes left, right, and center. So if you tell your kid something that is untrue and tell them to hold the idea as though it's true, it doesn't become true just because you're the parent. So passing on prejudice is not doing a service to your child. Encouraging systemic bad behavior is not okay just because you're mom or dad. But you do have real authority over them, which is why it's so important not to do those things, because your authority is genuine, and because if you fail in your authority over your child... You're being a bad parent. (laughs) Authority is based on the relationship, and the reason a parent has natural authority over their child is because they're the parent, and the child's the child. Now, of course, there's a point at which a child ceases to be a child, and so the, the, the character of that relationship changes somewhat. Many of you have already lived through that. Most of us have lived through it with our own folks to a certain degree, but the reason this dynamic is important is because our parents being the first authorities that we know, all other authoritarian structures that we construct as a society, they're based on this same idea. So the competent authority uh, for a particular class in a school is that teacher. The principal should not be micromanaging every single thing that's said or done in that class. The competent authority for that school is the principal, and at a place like this, perhaps the parish priest uh, the, the, the president of Dowling should not be dictating directly all of the things that happen in all the particular classrooms here at Christ the King. And we've tried to construct our governance structures here to reflect that. Teachers in the school, coaches on a team, local civil authorities are those best to deal with, say, issues around sidewalk and how long the grass has to be. The National Congress should not be deciding that. Likewise, the Des Moines City Council should not be making pronouncements on the national defense. They're not competent to do so, right? So, so this principle is really, really important because it's at the heart of what we mean by having an authority, by someone being superior and someone else being subject. It isn't simply a preference for small government. It's rather a call to social and civic responsibility. responsibility in which we all share, simply by virtue of being here. The authority that we have and the authority that we find ourselves under. Jesus does not reject the authority of the scribes and the Pharisees in today's gospel. That's really, really important to see. In fact, he presumes that their authority is in fact legitimate, which is why he says, the scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Chairs are important. That's why the chair Father John's sitting in is the biggest in the house. The one who's celebrating is exercising headship over the community. His authority is not fake. It's real. It's been deputed by one of the successors of the apostles who's said that he and I and Father Nick and Father Nick are the ones ordinarily competent to have headship over this community, and that I personally, PJ, am the one that has headship over the other priests that serve this community. And so we have clothes that indicate that and titles that indicate that. Jesus is not correcting the use of titles here. Otherwise, every one of you sinned every time you called your dad, daddy. And that's cruel and stupid, so don't let Protestants tell you otherwise. It's not true. You'd have to make up some other word for the people that have your kids in class and school. That's not what this is about. It's not about authority not existing for people not having real claims of authority over other people. It's about what happens when authority goes wrong. And we need look no further than the church to see what happens when authority goes real wrong. Their authority, that is the authority of the scribes and the Pharisees, is what leads to their condemnation. For they preach, but they do not practice. Therefore, do whatsoever they say, but do not follow their example." The problem is not that the scribes and the Pharisees aren't in charge. The problem is that they are in charge but are failing in their essential responsibilities. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. The problem isn't that they have phylacteries and tassels. Real little secret, even though you don't usually see it in the pictures, at least when he went to temple, Jesus almost certainly, wore phylacteries and had a tassel. Every guy had to to get in the door. The problem is that he, they would widen them out. It would be the, the equivalent of wearing like a super blingy pectoral cross when you're not a bishop just to draw attention to yourself. That's what he's worried about. The problem is not that they accept the titles and the gifts, but that they come to love the title and the gift and the grift and the bling more than the people that they've been charged to lead. The problem is not that they do not have real authority, but rather that they do. And this is because all legitimate authority ultimately derives from God. All legitimate authority comes from God and God alone. It's why the early Christians were happy to submit themselves to Caesar. Even though they knew he was in such terrific error, he was going to have them killed. But they would pray for Caesar at every single Eucharist. It was inscribed in the church's earliest law to pray for the civil authorities, even when they were persecuting us. It'd be easy to be praying against the civil authorities when they're persecuting us, but that's not what we did. Why? Caesar was clearly in charge. Nobody had a serious wonder who was in charge of the empire. So Caesar's in charge of the empire. If he's in charge, that authority has to have come from God. So we need to submit to his authority But it's worse for Caesar when he messes the authority up. The reason a parent has natural authority over the child is because of nature, which was designed in this way by God and for this purpose. The reason in our old age it's our children who bear first responsibility over our care and what happens to us is likewise because of nature, because our closest relations are the ones that we bear most responsibility for. If you want to see this in living color, just look to the right of St. Joseph. The ofrenda, the altar of the dead, who's placed next to St. Joseph, the patron of a happy death. Why? Your responsibility for your loved ones doesn't end just because they're dead. It continues right up until your own death. And so, so, so we put up images, pictures, photos, and the names of our beloved dead because we maintain our connection to them and our responsibility for them. The first duty of the superior is to love the subjects under their charge. And the first duty of the subject is to trust as best as they're able in the care of the superior. What, then, do we do when we have superiors, leaders, or authorities who fail in their duty of care? I'm not going to lie, friends. I don't always know. I've worked for the church long enough, and I've been banged around hard enough myself. I don't always know exactly what to do when the person in charge is being a jerk. I've tried probably every reasonable solution, and that's part of the reason I work here now. (laughs) That's half a joke, but only half. What I do know you don't do is bust up the church over it. And while there's a lot of anxiety around all kinds of things in church, in nation, and in world right now, breaking up the extant communities that we have, and especially for us, the unity that we know in Christ Jesus can never be the answer. So however mad you get at left or right, up, down, center, whatever, however upset you get at the Pope or whatever he's done this week, or the people that don't like the Pope and whatever they've said about him this week, don't bust up the church. And every single one of us has a role in bringing the church closer together or in pushing us further apart. I was so proud today during the craft sale because uh, two different people in two totally different situations came up to me and said, Father, there's a person here I think you need to work on. And we wound up getting a new family for the school and I wound up bringing somebody back to the church after 30 years away today because of that craft sale. Because somebody in the crowd... Maybe you're sitting here right now, could recognize this was a person who needed drawn in, and they weren't too afraid to say something to the person than to say something to me. Now, every one of us has the same responsibility in our own way, and we've been given rights attached to this. So the people have a right to make their concerns known to their pastors. And I try and make myself very, very open to feedback and concerns. If I failed any of you in that way, I'm genuinely and sincerely sorry. And we continue to try and create structures of accountability and systems to hold us accountable. But what I do know is that however hurt I get or angry I become when somebody messes things up, especially someone who's in charge of me, what I can't do is leave. Why? Even when the disciples doubted, they knew they had no place else to go. I know that I've met Jesus here, which is the reason I've chosen to live my life and exercise what little authority I have in the world from here. Those of you that are spouses, parents, bosses, matriarchs or patriarchs of larger family units, or just friends with influence over others, you should locate your authority here too, in the person and power of the Lord Jesus in the place he's given you in the church in virtue of your baptism, and the charge that he's given to every one of the baptized to go and teach all nations. You have authority. You are under authority.
0: The question's just, what are you going to do with it?